Greetings, fellow abiders. You join us once again for the Dudas podcast. Yeah, well, you know, that's just like your opinion, man. Three episodes in now. One every month. We're doing this. It's actually happening. And on this episode, I am joined by my lifelong friend, fellow uh, flat sharer, and also brother in trying to be a writer game, Matt Holland. And on this episode, we come up with some pretty damn good points, in my humble opinion. You'll discover them all within the body of the episode itself. And in all fairness, me and Matt have known each other a long time, so if you want to skip the preamble at the beginning where we're just talking about people we know, just skip eight minutes after this. You'll get to talking about the movie and my theory on how The Big Lebowski is a movie about people who create the ideas of who they want to be. On this episode, uh, I've talked about enough, so you should probably just listen to it. After I remind you, you can hear it on toughpatsandcanes.com. You can download it on iTunes, and if you would like to give it a plug on Reddit, that would also be pretty cute as well. Oh, and uh, Instagram. Toughpatsandcanes on Instagram. And the podcast that Matt co-hosts with me that we talk about on this, you can find on toppatsandcanes.com and on Instagram as well, the Danny Trio Fan Podcast. But that's not a movie with Jeff Lebowski in. This is a movie with Jeff Lebowski in. This is episode three of... Yeah, well, you know, that's just like your opinion, man. He's seen The Big Lebowski three times before. Essentially, Let's yeah. Let's see what he's got this time. That's what it is. I just uh, do a little bit before. I want to say who it is I'm on, I'm on with. And then, uh, then I try and plug my websites and stuff. I plug stuff. Well, there, there you go. So, Matt Holland, long-time friend, long-time cohabitor, and as I understand, you're some kind of writer. Is, is that I, right? That's what I do. Is, is this some you? Some kind of writer, man. Erotic uh, novels, right? <laughs> erotic Bigfoot novels? I guess they must be erotic to somebody. Bigfoot's not involved yet. Bigfoot's <laughs> going to be involved in the sequel. <laughs> Bigfoot rides again. Bigfoot rides hard. There it is. Bigfoot rides heavy. A step ahead of me. <laughs> that, that's how we get on so well. So the, like, the first part of this, like I said, is the... Because the, the, it's also a life podcast, man. About life. It's about my life. Because that's what people who are fans of the Big Lebowski want to know all about for me. That where, the, that where they meet up in Pasadena every year and just end up yes, going the, to the, 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 the dude fest. The, big, the Lebowski fest moves around. They have it all over the show. It was on like this month, next month. But we uh, are not popular enough to be invited there, yeah. Yet. So never yeah, mind. But hear the podcast and we'll invite us next year, maybe. Uh, so Matt, uh, we met in college, did we not? That this seems like I'm being deposed as a witness. <laughs> like, oh well, shit! I'm gonna say something incriminating. Well, yeah, to the best of my recollection, yes. <laughs> well, you sexually harassed me, <laughs> my lud. Uh, no, we met in a. Were we in media studies or did we have film studies? Girl and Evans, Girl and media Evans. studies and film studies. As I was well. thinking about this the other day. Like, is there any reason why we all gravitated towards each other? Or it was just because we were just sat near to it? Because it was you, me, Tom Wright, Matt Price, yeah, and, and uh, Jamie. Big, uh, big bit of Tony as well. Oh yeah, bit of sarcastic Tony. Rest his zombie seen, bones. We have not seen in many years. I've seen him. I I, I see him at gigs. 
And then he goes, oh yeah, I live in a different country now. I'm just here for the weekend. Last time I, last time I saw him, like it was like 2009. Like if, if Cameron wins this election, I'm leaving the country. So he stayed to his guns. He, he God bless is, him. Yeah, he, he's a story in and of himself. Bit of sarcastic, Tony. Yeah. I have to get him in for one of these at some point. We can find out where he is. He doesn't track the internet. Down. He just doesn't do it. So like, what do you do? I actually Have like a last year. Last year, someone uh, messaged me on Facebook and said like, "I see your friends with Tony Nolan. Do you know where he is?" I was like, "Nah, mate. <laughs> if you find <laughs> out, you tell me." <laughs> Thought you want to go though? Just like disappear. Good guy. Well, probably got a whole mess. Interest, of, interesting guy. Got a whole mess of bitter, sarcastic children. <laughs> but but after whatever it was that drew us together, which I assume was just that we were like I think the nerdiest lads. There, yeah, I think we know? were just like the nerds. Yeah. The, the, but then it was college, so like. All the cool people came in there. They're like, I'm going to be cool in college. It's like, yeah, it doesn't care. It doesn't yeah. work that way. Yeah, there's, there's no need for you to be the cool here. You expected, <laughs> you expected to kind of, you know, be smart. And that's kind of what some of us were good at. But, Not me, but others yeah. like me. And then somehow we ended up living together for nine that years. That was <laughs> because I moved back to Liverpool and got sick of like, living with my parents again, which I'd lived in London for five years five and, years and I moved back home to Liverpool because I ran out of money because it's fucking expensive over there <laughs> then the economy crashed in 2008 that's a big deal like I kind of hung it in there as long as I could it's like no this is not happening I'm not getting these jobs I'm going for because they're all going to like fucking hipstery twats so I'm just uh, they don't they hear the accents like nope get up <laughs> so um, I worked in a bar for four years and moved back to Liverpool with my parents, which is it's if you've ever lived away from home, then moved back in with your parents, Oof. it's fucking horrible. Yeah, because you're used to your own independence. And like, oh, it's, it's like you can't stay up till four in the morning anymore. So, like, well, you know, I pay my bills. I'm I can't responsible. cry myself to sleep in the bathtub <laughs> because other people have to use it. And I, the, ba- I, I, the bathroom shit just that was kind of the last straw. Like, you, it's like you're just trying to get ready for work in the morning and. <laughs> Is everyone's trying to use the same bathroom, and it's like oh, you're working in the same place as your mom as well. I know. Yeah, yeah, so there was no there was no break. There was, there was no like respite. nothing at all, and it's like you, you people that you love the Been most are great that. on you. So it's like um, I need to go out here, and then Liam's looking for someone to live with around about the same time. The it's like, shit, same I'm time, yeah. jumping on this. So and then it was like and the rest. Well, is... no, no one else offered, and uh, <laughs> and I like that Matt Holland guy. We talk about the Simpsons and home movies a lot. Yeah. Home movies has been was our connection because we were just like, oh yeah, yeah. yeah. And, and the only just... two people I think in Liverpool. <laughs> yeah, pretty seen much. It. <laughs> but like with something, when people ask me now as a thirty-two-year-old man, they just assume I'm married and have a swaggle of kids, and I go, <laughs> no, no, I just live with my mate Matt, and then they go like, oh, how they, they always go like, oh, how'd you get along? I'm like, well, we've lived together eight years, yeah. so we must be doing something. It would have right. like it would have there been marriages that have broken up before. Hell now. yeah, I've known people <laughs> who've been married and got divorced by this point now, even at our age. But I would say, like, you know, you can speak to each other in Simpsons quotes for eight years and you'll be fine. That's yeah. what marriages are lacking. Pretty in my much, yeah. Like the Walter and Perry thing. <laughs> yeah, married. Obscure movies, which kind of brings us around to this as well. You and you and me are, are people who will watch these bad movies because we have a podcast yeah, where we, we do this. Podcast. Where we look for Danny Trio in movies. Yes, we have a Danny Trio themed podcast where we watch all of Danny Trio's movies in order, and there are people who who are subscribed to this who are interested in it. <laughs> for so it's some not reasons, just us. you know. With the Danny Trio, it's like you know the kitschness and like the the jargness, as we would say over here, like the badness of it. It's how movies from the nineties onwards yeah. have kind of aged poorly. The Big Lebowski did not do well when it came out. It did not do well. People didn't like it. They said there was too much plots. There was too many strands that went nowhere. Even respected other podcast host Chris Howard said he did not like The Big Lebowski I because really it was like too it hard to follow. Because it's 
very it's very much an American movie. Yeah, it's set in LA, which is the same place that um, Raymond Chandler set all of his uh, Philip Marlowe novels. Like the classic noir from the forties. Yes, there's a, there's a lot of noir vibes. And it feels in there. very much like one of them. Well, that's um, something I'm gonna have to get into, and I want to do this with someone else because there are like a lot of noir movies I need to watch to get because apparently it is just homages. All yeah. Over the place. Yeah. See, I'm, I'm not never seen a lot of the films, but I'm a huge Raymond Chandler fan. I watched uh, Maltese Falcon for the first time last week. The Dashiell Hammett on it. Thing. Yeah. And uh, the the Jackie Chihon character is just like, yeah. a guy from that. There's always that's one like some rich asshole yeah but uh, a new wave rich asshole is like there's old money and new money <laughs> clashing together which is kind of an issue at the time well that, that's a tangent we'll get to soon but um my point of bringing up the danny trio thing and this thing is like it didn't do well the big lebowski but people started watching it over and over again when it was on tv and tape and i because it was so quotable they would just mention it to the friends and yeah. get the friends to watch it and it just became <clears throat> lexicon sort of stuff and people just eventually realised that it is, it's like you've got to watch it a few times to see how much is going on in there yeah. and how well it's all placed like the first time together. I watched it I was way too young to get it and I, like I didn't remember like enjoying it that much I think I watched it again as an adult and kind of got it a bit more mm-hmm. but like this is like the third or fourth time I've watched it now and now it's like okay it's kind of connected together and kind of understand it's like how it Fight Club is like you know you watch the the first time you're like oh that was okay and then you watch it the second time you go like mm, yeah Fight Club's good like third or fourth time you're like fuck this is this is genius yeah. this is this is like uh, this is amazing but uh, but with much you know more levity to it I suppose I got like the opposite thing with Fight Club the first time I thought this is genius I love this and then the more I've watched it the more I've thought how dated the tropes are in it mm, yeah which so. considered like late nineties. Even Chuck Palayak just has just sort of disowned it mostly now. I think it's like I'm sorry for the alt right. That was that's my bad guy. <laughs> <laughs> so the Big Lebowski thoughts opinions. I really liked it this time round. I I, I liked it the last time, but this time like it, it sort of came together a bit more for me. Like I enjoyed enjoyed like the I said, the homage to the noir stuff. One one character like I'm gonna go off on one about uh, go for it, the man. Big Lebowski. <laughs> The guy in the wheelchair. Right. Um. He gives this whole speech about like, "Hey, oh, you do what I did. You do what your parents did. Get a job. Pull yourself up by your bootstraps. I've got, I don't have legs, and I've got all this money, which hilariously gets subverted later on, which I'd forgotten about. So I wrote a huge thing about how he um, he got his legs blown off by Chinamen in Korea, which you know those are two <laughs> different countries. That's that's you know, you should probably know the nationality of the people you're fighting against if you're gonna go to war with them. And then the whole, like, get a job. It just reminded me of Richard Branson when he did that whole series of article, like, articles, uh, ads a few years ago. Like, I had dyslexia. It didn't stop me. Do you know what did, was a huge help for being dyslexic. Having a father who's a barrister who can pay your way into university, <laughs> which is where he got his big break. And he had, like, a massive safety net that most of us will never even conceive of. So he could afford to fail. Well, yeah. <clears throat> there's, there's something interesting there about um, watching cult movies and, like, rewatching stuff. And watching it with different people, watching different movies with different people. This is one of your bugaboos, the class structure, which is yeah. this is something like I'm concerned with, but I can put up my mind when I'm watching it, but not my Holland. No, no. Anytime my Holland sees an 80s guy on TV with cocaine <laughs> and a funny watch, he's like, ah, oh, this guy, he's what ruined Yuppies. us all. Yuppies. <clears throat> and he's carried this over well, into this. No, and like the whole the clash between like the old money and new money, because like uh, the big Lebowski of the title sort of represents like the old money. Like, he's got a big fancy estate with like. Or like a personal trophy servant, wife, a trophy uh, wife. expensive rugs. <clears throat> and whereas like Jackie Trehorn represents sort of the new wave, he's a pornographer 
who's uh-huh. excited he's about talking the next about technology. the future as well, yeah. isn't he? Yeah, and he's the both like rich people and sort of uh, all Lebowski, which I didn't actually. This time I watched it round. I always thought his name was the dude, then never told you his name, but his name is actually Jeff Lebowski. Yeah, he's in there, yes, and he's what like modern man. He's modern, he's, not only he's, he's modern because he's, he's a flashback to the 60s because he mentions um, spent a lot of time occupying administration buildings, yes. which is what a lot of college students in America did during the Vietnam War as a form of protest because mm-hmm. there's a lot of conflict on college campuses back then. Um, well, this is, I, I get into this every episode, but like the relationship between the dude and uh, Walter. Yeah. Because like, he's... The dude's a, a piece, a protester guy, and Walter's like a, a maniac Vietnam survivor. I always, I, I don't know why. This is probably my interpretation, but I always got the impression with Walter, he maybe wasn't medically cleared for Vietnam, but he really wants to go because he's well, so he just that's, like. That's interesting because all we've got is his word that he was in Vietnam. He he doesn't like come across as like a grizzled vet because he, he's. He's so well educated as well. Like he talks yeah. the way he talks, and like he also like gets the only person who gets the the preferred nomenclature for Asian yeah. Americans. He like says like you can't say Chinaman because yeah. it's Asian American. Thank you. It's like he seems like a a guy who really re- he's really patriotic, really wants to serve his country or whatever you want to call that um, by joining the army. But he's a big guy, you know. Maybe they said like you know lose a bit of weight. Maybe you know maybe he's got back problems and he can't. Mm-hmm. You get the impression that he's like, because I've I've met a lot of like not American veterans, but people who've been in the military, and there are people who are like, um, that's their personality, that's who they are. It's like that's every problem they come across is like me as a veteran. This is how I'm approaching it. That's how that's the frame of existence they've got for themselves. Okay, but you get I get the impression with Walter that he's wants to be angry about Vietnam, but my impression interpretation is that he couldn't go to Vietnam, so he just wants to not pretend well pretend that he did but knows that he would have done if he could have kind of right. thing which is just me just throwing all kinds of shit at the wall oh that's that's what we do here man i mean that's why i've watched it so many times and i come up with more shit to throw at it this is my big hunk of donkey feces that i've come up with now yeah okay i wrote this down because i wanted to say it the particular way the big lebowski a movie where you get to be whoever you say you are yeah so like we were just saying then with Walter, not only the army stuff, but the Jewish stuff as well. Yeah, because they say he's, he's, not even he's Jewish, just he's Catholic. Yeah, he's just converted. So he's like, oh no, I'm Jewish because I say I'm Jewish. The nihilists, we don't yeah. believe in anything, but this isn't fair. Yeah, that's bullshit. Even the old Lebowski, he yeah. uh, is a, he says he's a millionaire, but he's, he's not. not. He just says he's a millionaire. He acts like a millionaire. Everyone treats him like a millionaire. And then we've got our Lebowski, who's just the dude abiding being himself yeah and the jesus as well the jesus because he's eight-year-olds yeah. dude <laughs> he's the <laughs> jesus <pedophile>. who uh, <laughs> whose name would be jesus calls himself the jesus he's yeah. you know he's putting out that image there of the creepy rolling guy it's I, I think it's a really interesting point it's you you can be whatever you claim you are it's it's an american ideal isn't it like um, yeah, you get Sam Elliott. I was getting Sam Elliott and Sam Neil, but yeah. Sam Elliott's character, the um, the cowboy fella. Mm-hmm. There's no real. He seems kind of a bit supernatural. Like he just kind of shows up and Silence just talks to the, the camera screen, and stuff. Yeah. I get the impression he's like the spirit of America, of what America would like to be, what America sees itself as this rugged yes. cowboy on the range. But there's a lot more to it. This than is that. another thing I've said in other episodes. Uh, Walter it represents America of the time. 
because it's the, this is like the one you know the first Bush war like Desert Storm yeah. stuff. So he's like that fiercely pro American. Like I don't know what we're pro American about, but we're pro American. Those fig eaters <laughs> over there, the but damn Ayatollah. He says like about um, the difference between jungle combat and desert combat. Mm-hmm. Like uh, this is not. Um, you need to look a man in the eyes. That's real combat. Yeah, it's see, not just find, fighting some dude in the desert trying to uh, find the reverse on a Soviet tank. But it's it's the America of the post Vietnam that are like, like yeah. well, we can't just rush into this shit again because we got yeah. fucking embarrassed there. And Donnie, who keeps getting too told to shut up all the time, is just like the the less caring part of America that just wants to get on with the day. Yeah, they mentioned that he's a surfer as well. Like at the very end, mm-hmm. it's like it's, it's yeah. an element of the character we don't get to see. It's another like the the freedom of the wild west, the the freedom of the the ocean, and the freedom of the dude. They're all yeah. stopped and traced by uh, Walter, who's just this, there to echo other people's. I've got no there. beef with America. I like America and Americans a lot more than most English people do, and I'm fascinated by their culture and like their mythology and how, because it, it's in the grand scheme of things, not a very old established country. It's about two hundred years old of very rapid change really quickly mm-hmm. after thousands of Hopefully years. Hopefully more of, coming as well. Yeah. So there's a lot of like, and there's that whole uh, manifest destiny spirit of the West yes. kind of, um, we were always cowboys and we're independent, independent like of public transport. We drive our own cars. We protect ourselves with our guns kind of thing. That's kind of their ideal kind of thing. And I always think like Sam Elliott's character kind of thing just seems a bit, it seems out of place for a reason, because mm. you know he doesn't fit. It. It's, there's a bit where he's doing the begin, the narration at the beginning. It's a desert, and you think, oh, it's a bit westerny, like he's talking about. And then it just opens up, and it's L.A. I was like, maybe that's why I find it so interesting, because it's so not American, not Americans as they see themselves. If that makes any sense. With that in mind, why, why does Sam Neill choose to speak to the dude? I mean, I know he's the main character, but like you'd think, like, is that because like. This the the Coen brothers are trying to suggest like this is a better ideal of America what we had in the sixties like with this peace and protest movement and stuff, but at the same time though, something I've I've noticed on this watch which is either the sixth or the seventh now, uh, the dude definitely has a, a defiance problem like you know the ver- the open a bit when he's getting his the head shoved in the toilet thing, yeah, he and like talks back to them and he's just like you know, you know um, it's back down there like, just let me have another look and he shows that's like a fucking great line because he's a uh... Like a, a of the sixties, which is I think every every character Protesting in it represents a different era of American oh, history, kind of thing. Like because yeah, yeah, yeah. the Duke, the, the, the Duke, the Jude, the dude is um represents <laughs> the English remake that's <laughs> the coming soon. Oh my god, we should the do Duke that. The Duke abides. <laughs> the Duke tolerates my good man, but um he represents the sixties when Americans were just like no, we're not taking just shit. Cause just because you're in charge doesn't make you right, kind of thing. Mm-hmm. And they fought back against that, which has been sort of prevalent since like world war two like um walter represents the other side of that like the viet the pro vietnam war side is like they were really like no this is our country good or bad yeah um we've got you gotta support them uh then you get like a bit further back with the um with the big lebowski was, like represents like the, the 50s 30s and, and 20s over. and like the where people were acquiring lots of wealth and sort of spending it lavishly Donnie's maybe just the, like the nineties, possibly, because he said he was a yeah. surfer and surf culture was quite big in the nineties and uh, the Gen Xer, yeah, without the anger, which sort of doesn't <laughs> give, sort of doesn't give a shit, just kind of just wants to go on. Maybe that's and, why he he doesn't know what what everyone's talking about because he doesn't give a shit about what they're talking about, so he's just trying to like be included. 
by information to them. And he always comes in late like to that. stuff. Like the very first mm. time we see him, he sort of doesn't get the whole story about the dude peeing on the dude's rug. He's like, "Why? What's happening? What's going on?" It's like, "You're out of your element, Donny. Yeah. Out of your element." Fucking element. Yeah. Because he always seems to have part of anything like. The um, Jackie Treehorn represents the eighties because that's uh-huh. like mm-hmm. yuppie his white suit, red red shirt, fucking that Miami Vice looking mm-hmm. motherfucker. Uh, sort of looking forward to the future with just enough money to sort of say he's gonna do all right either way. Uh, yes, uh, is anyone the seventies like? I don't want American culture in the seventies and think because that was Disco. retroactively looking back at the fifties because that was when Happy Days came out <laughs> and stuff. There might be. Maybe that's something you'll find other people will find out. That's something I'll bear in mind when I watch it yet again. <laughs> Sorry, I'm discovering this stuff again <laughs> as I say it. Uh, <laughs> well, Steve Buscemi good. hasn't aged in 20 years. <laughs> <laughs> that was weird. He looks he looks the same age now as he did then. He's, yeah, it's, uh, he's the, aged gracefully. It's, it's a good role. It's it's better than his uh, you know his Adam Sandler call-in roles, his yeah. Coen Brothers call-in roles. He doesn't really care what he's there for. He just comes because he likes to work. <laughs> Like some money, who can blame him? Um, if Adam Sandler wanted me for a movie every year and just it was just a piece of piss, I, I, would, I was getting paid a I lot of money. I would be tr- fucking there. I would not hook my whatever you hook up to to that fucking train wreck. No, but it'd do my own stuff on the side with the money that the lavish amount of money I'd make doing Adam Sandler bit parts. If you listen to this, Adam, <laughs> I'm willing to. De- I'm willing to degrade myself for a lot of money. Have your people call my people. So we covered a good bit of uh, what the dude might represent about uh, society and through the ages. We talked about the, the you get to be whatever you want to be, the nihilists, uh, Maud Lebowski. Any any thoughts on Maud? Yeah, it, I like the the whole arty daughter type thing, mm-hmm. like the whole art culture thing. I always find quite interesting because they do show up in. Um, uh, Raymond Chandler novels as well, like art, like like the art culture. It's like people who make a lot of money, seeming to do very little work, but like are, are lauded and get shitloads of money for it, kind of thing. So that's where that's come from. Then Raymond there's a few Chandler. of them. Like I don't know if that's like a trope from Chandler, but I think he's he's definitely done like one artist character who just gets a lot of money, and it's, you the sort of framed like, what the fuck are these people doing? <laughs> How are they making money at it? And I like the little the scouse dude that she lives with. Yeah. <laughs> so you're Lebowski. What do you do then, Lebowski? So I've got an opinion on this scene. Uh, have you noticed that Maud has a slight Boston accent? Well, she played by Julianne Moore, and she's yeah. uh, very Boston. It's Boston it, through and through. I, it took me like three or four times to watch it before I realized that she like she she just she like emphasizes the the like like it's her character is hiding that accent. It's not her yeah. hiding her accent. It's part of the character. And in that scene... Oh, really? I thought it was just Julianne Moore trying to... No, you know, no, no, because the... it's my theory, because there's also that bit where the, that scene we're talking about where the Scouse guy, who's like, why, why the fuck is there like a Scouse actor in it? He's not his Scouse, he's uh, from Blackpool or something like that. Oh, really? But he's just doing a Scouse accent. And it, in my opinion, it is because that art scene world is something that the dude could easily be a part of, but it's also something that's so foreign to him that's yeah. represented by these foreign characters with the yeah. foreign voices. Because there's, I think that was the 80s as well. So maybe she represents a different side of the 80s. A lot of experimental weird shit. We've seen a bit of it in the Danny Trio podcast. Like weird shit that people made. Weird shit. Way too much money. And like way too little responsibility. And they just made mad shit. Which I can kind of get behind most of the time. 
you can abide it. Basically. I can abide. Yeah, yeah you can, can abide. abide. Here's a question for you as a writer, man, man. Okay. Uh, the fact that the the whole resolve of the plot is our buddy just went off somewhere. Is that genius or is that like really bad? I can't tell. Books have done that. There's like I've read a few books that are like that. I mean, I've got a crime. Like, I'm watching this. I've just validated because I've got a crime mm-hmm. novel at the moment where the it's a lead. The lead character is very like lazy. Shit just seems to happen to him all the time, yeah. and it's like, oh, so this is like it's been done before, but like. No one's going to say, like, reactionary protagonist is meant to be a bad thing. He's always got to be pushing forward and pushing, like... But there's something to be said for having a character who just abides and floats through and has shit happen to them and reacts to it. I'm not sure if it's just from watching the Blabowski once a month now or... (laughs) But I I, I sat down to write something and I was just like, well, I'll just let the plot be developed as to scene by scene, page by page. Yeah. And And the plot to... And then you get to points where you're like, well, in order for this to work... I need to sit down for like a month, map it out, know what character's going to do what, how it's going to play out later. Or you can just say, and then he's turned a corner and he found this. Yeah, it's... And you get into the next page of the book where you can, you know, flourish your writing credentials with like great character development, nice language, nice settings and all that. It's just moving that fucking plot forward. So I read a really good book a while ago. Um, I'm, trying, I'm trying to think of the, the writer. He's a... He's a... He's read. A, he's written a lot of books. He doesn't deserve my fucking plug for it. Mm-hmm. But it's about a army veteran who comes back after this latest uh, debacle in the Middle East, and she's looking after her young daughter. And there's like tape of her like um, strafing civilians in a helicopter, and she doesn't want that to come out. And like someone kidnaps her daughter, and it's like it's all kind of builds around it and shit. She's very. She's presented as a very capable character, and shit just happens to her, and she just gets hammered with one misfortune and one character after another i think it just sort of like it just gets weighed down on her and stuff so there is like successful novels have done this before where characters are just there i think confederacy of dunces is another one i've not read that yes I that's have. another one that I'm like not, um, i think the, the whole spoiler ending of that book is just like a very convenient car pulling up and yeah and jump in this and get away with it and even raymond chandler is, he's, is most famous for if you're stuck in the plot just have people burst in there with guns decide what they're doing later yeah, it's not something that I've ever been enraged by, but it's only something I thought of now when after watching this with Chris and he was like, oh, there's too many loose threads of the plot. Yeah. There's too much going on. I was like, no, no. The point that so much is going on is one of the many great things about this yeah. movie. Because a lot's happening to the dude and he's just not... Uh, and he's he's dealing with it. He's understanding yeah. it for a guy. He's, been, he's not a detective. He's just been dropped into this. Yeah. Like, he just wants his rug back. And he does his fair share of like, detective work. like the bit where um, he's in Jackie Treehorn's mansion. And he gets a phone yeah. call and writes stuff down. He like goes to it and traces it. Turns out it's just a dude, just a drawing of a dude with a dick, his dick out. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> just, I, I, just for the comedy. First of it. saw this when I was what like sixteen, seventeen, or whatever, and like I didn't realize until the second or third watching that it was a noir detective thing. It was yeah. a detective story. It very clearly is. So still, some people who argue that it's not, but yeah, and you could you could argue it's not. You could argue it's just like a exploration of theme or whatever. It's yeah. Uh, yeah. Okay. I mean, it's one of those things. How do you come up with? How did the Coens even come up with this idea? You think it's it's such a complex? It's a simple, simply made story. Well, you know, with... the, the dude's based on a real person. Oh, really? Yeah, like when they, like a, a movie producer or someone they know. I'm pretty sure it's a producer. He was he was like uh, one of the the Seattle Seven. Oh, well, it wasn't one of them. He was like a protester. He was a uh, did roadie for Metallica, 
And he just like, he, he knew uh, the guy who wrote Royal Hardy was in the Iron Lung, and he told the Coen brothers that story, and like, that's amazing, let's put that in a movie somewhere. Oh, okay. So it's that character, and it's their love of noir films, and they just mash them together. Yeah, I, I don't know what all this stuff about the, the old West man is. Like, and then and then just Coen brothers stuff as well. Yeah, I mean, the, the idea, it's like America, the movie, kind of, <laughs> but in a... In a taste, in a in a nice way, not in a satirical, like this is the yeah. greedy, seedy underbelly of the American dream. Just like you no, know, this is like what we see ourselves as as Americans. They would say this is this is why there's a podcast on this because this yeah. is what's so fascinating. Because if you ask the Coen brothers, they'd be like, oh, it's just a movie about a guy who goes bowling and yeah. then some stuff happens. But there are there are so many levels to this. They, if they, even though they're not intended, there are so many levels to this. Yeah, I mean, why bowling? They could have picked, what like, a weird sport. We think they could have picked any sport or any activity. It could have been. What's the Zen part of bowling? Uh, apparently, there is one, or there's discovered one now that we've got the Big Lebowski religion based around the movie, <laughs> and they go bowling and shit. Lots of interesting stuff there. Yeah. Uh, you got anything else in your big book there? Yeah, that that scene where they're smashing the fuck out of the the cars <laughs> must have been so much fun to shoot. <laughs> I fucking love that. It's <laughs> just like this really expensive car just twatting the fuck out of it with a crowbar. Anarchy. The, the, well, well, it, it, there's something to be said for that as well. It's the other side of the, the, the yin and the yang, isn't it? Which is Walter and the dude. It's just the, yeah. the anger and the calmness, and you have to have a balance between the two. And That's they're always as well, um, in every scene they're in together, one of them's angry and one of them's calm. Like, one of them's trying to calm the other one down, so they're constantly yin going around yang. in circles. Yeah, yeah, that's... Yeah, fucking yeah. Well spotted. That's why okay. we did that film, cause. <laughs> I took that film course because I thought it'd be an easy A level. Oh, little man. did I know. I can remember this so well. I went to the open evening, like not knowing what I was gonna do with myself, but like knowing I did well in English. Well, I did better in English than anything else, so I was gonna do English in college. And in the open evening, there was a booth for film studies. I was like, wait a second. <laughs> it's like, hey kid, come here. You watch films? It was Gerwin sitting on that table oh, as well. Oh, Gerwin Evans. Whatever happened to him? He's, he's probably still there. Uh, and the rest is history, and here yeah. I am. But like, and here we are. It's not. It's film studies and media, stu- media studies is one of those things I wish I'd carried on to university level because that's the stuff that people are making money at now. And I was like, you're never going to make money doing media, so I didn't do it at university. Mm. I took English instead. So go with the classics, and then it's like, oh, they can't do English. No, everyone's doing media now. It's like fucking <laughs> assholes, <laughs> fucking assholes. Whereas I stuck with <laughs> film, so. Terry Gilliam's Brazil and thought, oh no, I, I can't do that. <laughs> no one could do that. That's been that's the best movie I've ever seen in my life, filmically. And then I, nah, that's not for me. I'm gonna write things instead. But, you know, it's like, and here we are. It's like film studies in general is just liter- literature studies, but with films. But really. better. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's just it's a different study of something. And it's probably I would argue it's it uses the same muscles in the brain or the Absolutely. same bits of the yeah. brain as like if not more analysis. because yeah. you know you you have to it's a visual medium you've got to take visuals into visual account of the lightning and, and the sound and all that shit the diegetic elements I mean all I can really talk about with any kind of authority remember. with what little authority I have is like the story elements in the uh, literature sat in the story and character sides of it because you know it's, I did English so so I don't really know much about lighting and how that means things and stuff. That's why I never clocked onto the Big Lebowski not being a being a noir film because noir films were detective films, post war yeah. detective films that that had noir elements from the the French movements. So it was all light and shadow, cast yeah. bad guys in shadow. You know, gray gray area topics, gray area post war heroes, gray light and blah blah blah. Yeah. 
but they're all based on books written by mm-hmm. but the, the dude doesn't have that is... LA nice <clears throat> sunny place which is what the Philip Marlowe Raymond Chandler books are, are like because mm-hmm. it's just like this dude's a bright character beautiful city filled with seedy horrible corruption wherever you look okay <laughs> uh, yeah let's wrap this up because i got to go to bed because I have a job to do tomorrow Ah, it's Saturday, so I don't. So well, 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 well I've got to be anywhere two days a week. So. Early-ish, so. <laughs> so, Matt Holland, thanks for coming on. Uh, yeah. you're you're one of the good ones. I'll yeah. I'll say that. I don't care what everyone else says about you. They've no, they they say stuff. Me and my uh, big Bigfoot fan fiction, fucking they got they don't they can't handle it. Where, they can't handle Bigfoot dick. Where can people reach you on the internet, Matt, to ask I you about on, your erotic fan fiction? I'm on mattholandauthor.com, which is my website mm-hmm. where I put a new story up every week. And you can find me on Twitter as well at Galitha Matt, Galitha underscore Matt, which I'm not going to spell that. You can find it. <laughs> look, look for Matt Holland on Twitter. You'll see me. My but I believe face. Galitha is also the name of your book series that is available it on Amazon. It is on Amazon, yeah. Hair of the Dog is the first one. I'm working on the second one right now, in between Bigfoot eroticism. <laughs> And, of course, the Danny Trio podcast, which is hosted on com. If you subscribe to the Instagram, you'll be able to see the poster for each movie we do. And you can go, oh, that's a cool-looking movie poster. I wonder what that movie's about. What's the most recent one that went up there? Uh, by the time this goes up, it will be, I think, Wedlock. Oh, yeah. Rocket Hour. Yeah. So, oh, th- thanks, thanks again. For, thanks uh, for having me. We're going to abide. Abide. That's how we end this, yeah. <laughs> nice abiding with you. <laughs> Abide on, good brother. <laughs> <laughs>